On today's podcast, we talk about people that post lies on social media. So Chelsea Clinton posted this one the day after the inauguration. She wrote, just told my son Aiden, who's four years old, who loves numbers, by the way, that it's the 21st day of the 21st year in the 21st century. And how cool is that? And he said, without missing a beat, yeah, but it's cooler. It's Joe Biden's first full day in the White House. Yup, he's my son. He never said that. A four-year-old doesn't care who's president. Doesn't even have a clue. And if your four-year-old is so good with numbers, wait till he finds out in a few years that his grandfather fucked a two in the White House. Everybody is awful. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Yeah, and that doesn't mean you'll be proud of what they do. That doesn't mean they'll do good things. But if you give people opportunity, you'll be shocked with what they do with it. Welcome in to the Stone On Air podcast. Coming to you on Thursday, the 12th of May. Had to pry myself away from a tied Braves-Red Sox game. This damn podcast is getting away of my good life. Either way, I appreciate you being here. My name is Brian. We'll do this for the next hour or so. And I said hour or so, not not and so, less than an hour. That's the goal anyway. So here we're on a Thursday, the somewhat midweek download destination for thousands in the city of Chattanooga, the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast that once upon a time started off as a local music showcase kind of thing. And then I tried to bring that back couple years ago then COVID hit and there wasn't a show for like a year then I realized I don't really care about the local music scene (laughs) not sure I ever really did as a matter of fact to be totally honest with you I I didn't as a grown-ass adult I did as a young person I really really did you know my my early to mid-20s I wanted to be a part of it so much and then when I got to my early to mid-30s I was trying to find an audience to uh to take advantage of right in a good way to to offer something that would get guaranteed eyes and ears if it even if it was a little niche which niche niche whatever it is whatever that word is and um so i kind of hitched my my uh my trailer to that and thought maybe this will will take off and i can just follow the coattails and it's just not really much of a scene there to be to be followed. Uh, there's not a big bunch of eyes and ears that care all that much, and I've realized that more and more. And part of it is just just being apathetic about it. I just don't really care anymore. I, I like music, but I don't listen to music like I used to. I love music; it's one of my favorite things in my life. But I don't study it, dissect it, uh, analyze it, criticize it uh, in any way, shape, or form almost anymore as might be evidence of me going to the dumb pop country show over the weekend, which I will dedicate an entire uh, segment to that here on today's show. So I will go ahead and lay it out for you. I don't got anything very important at all today. And really, that's kind of going to be by design going forward 
makes it a little more difficult to try to uh, decipher what is and isn't boring. But I'll explain that, as a matter of fact, coming up in the second segment of the show. As I don't really have a specific topic, I just have a handful of different things to get to and points to make. And I just the notes I wrote to myself, uh, I am in now kind of in a world of political freedom. I can kind of think and say and do whatever I want in my own brain and in my own um, uh, space that I uh, take up, whether it's here with a microphone or in a room that I usually can read pretty well. I'm done with almost all of it. I am so done with it, and it is uh, it is quite a liberating feeling as we're politically broken completely. It's just the the American political landscape is an, is a television program, and it is completely shattered, broken beyond repair. It is not tenable anymore. We've been saying this: the two party system's terrible, and all these you know talking points. It's officially done, so done, so as they said, and there's no reason to get upset about it. There's no reason to have your emotions boil over, or at least when I say your, I guess I should say there's no reason for my emotions to boil over anymore, even though there are some really serious and dangerous things going on worldwide, but certainly within the um, the boundaries of this great country, the United States of America. But we're not a bunch of great people, and we don't operate like a bunch of great people. And and um, anyway, I won't try to do the whole segment right here, but that's what I'll do in the second segment of the show. And the final segment of the show i am going to uh tell you about the kane brown show at the uh, finley stadium downtown on the south side it was uh you know spoiler alert it was fun it was great uh i don't have a i don't really have a very good story i was a little bummed that i didn't have a better story i thought i would have one that i just couldn't wait to tell i don't really um but i do have a better understanding of who kane brown is now and i don't like or dislike him any more or less than i did going into it and I'll spend the final segment on that. And uh, I'll get you three pieces of audio. These aren't even that good either this week. I really had to stretch to, to come up with three. I've got the best idea, the most important question, and the coolest thing. And just another one of those. Can you guess the song from the drummer account from uh, TikTok and Twitter and wherever the hell else that, that dude does? Guess this song by only the drum beat. You know when I'm using one of those, that's usually because I can't find anything better. So let's get started, shall we? Just a few things here that are on my opening notes. First of all, in no particular order, I'll just go in how I wrote them down. Uh, this Tom Brady thing, signing a 10-year deal to be the lead analyst on, on Fox's number one broadcast team of NFL football is bizarre to me. Um, the guy is the greatest football player in the history of football, certainly the greatest quarterback. And I'm a, I'm a fan of the man after really being a hater for many, many years. But what the hell is going on in bizarro world NFL? They are paying, or these networks, not the NFL necessarily, it's the networks that are broadcasting the NFL, are paying these these announcers like, like they're players, like b b better than most players are making outside of quarterbacks and a couple other skill positions. It's insanity what they're paying Tony Tony Romo and they're now it's it's a for um, Buck and and Troy just got their new uh, deal which I'm sure is huge I haven't seen it I don't remember what it is but this is 375 million over ten years a guy who's never even done the job not once not at all he's never really said anything even all that interesting he said virtually nothing 
his entire uh, career in New England. And just the last couple of years, he's, yeah, he's kind of turned into a little bit of a goofball and he's got the TB12 brand and he's on TikTok and doing stupid nonsense there. And yeah, he's a little quirky, maybe he's a little funny. I've got no idea whether this guy can do that job. The number one analyst week to week in in, in the NFL, and they're just going to give him a 10-year deal for that kind of money. I get they're buying the name, the brand, and I'm sure it'll work out, but, man, that is insanity to me. And I have never watched a football game because, oh, hell yeah, I can't wait to watch so-and-so call the game. I've never done that once in my life. Maybe you have. Maybe some others out there um do I doubt it? I appreciate a good broadcast, and I understand how a good broadcast is put together more than the average person walking around. But I've never turned it on and thought, "Well, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth can't wait to see what they got to say tonight." Now I'm looking for a good football game. All right, so moving on. Um, <clears throat> I got this message on um, Instagram the other day, and it's it's one of those. Uh, it's like kind of your in your spam folder of your email. This is one that's. I don't know what they call it. You've got to, uh, like, accept it or something. I don't know the terminology used on stupid Instagram. But I realized I missed this message, and it was from a, uh, just a person I'm not friends or connected with. And usually when it starts off with something like, hey, I tried your podcast, and it was amazing. Click here for a million followers. Like, it's just a total load of shit. And um, I, it, that's how it started off. Hey, I tried out your podcast the other day, and I really loved it. And I thought, oh, great. Can't wait to see where this is going. What bots trying to get me to, you know, uh, to, to click on something. And it wasn't that at all. It's an actual real person. It says, hey, hey, I tried out your podcast the other day and I really loved it. I love the editing and the sound bites. I just picked a random day and listened. And I'm going to need to know if the pillow worked. More on that in just a minute. Then I picked another one and you were going off on Brian Joyce and I was laughing so hard. It was fantastic. Meatheads at the gym thought I was laughing at them, so that wasn't great. But if I had known they were, then I probably would blah 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 whatever. So this is an actual real person saying they just randomly listened for whatever reason and truly enjoyed it. And I forgot about talking to you guys about the pillow, the hundred and fifty dollar pillow. And uh, I'll touch on this in a different way in the uh, in the next segment, uh, a little more completely different subject, but similar kind of product. Yeah, so I bought the uh, the the pillow from the targeted advertising, and I never came back and discussed the uh, results. Um, I don't guess so. I don't think I did anyway. And the verdict is, it's freaking fantastic. It is awesome. It's the best pillow I've ever had, and I don't know what I would do without it. It is phenomenal. So um, there's the answer to how the $150 pillow worked. It worked out just fine, and thank you so much to whoever this random person was who sent me that message. I think I hooked up with them. Uh, it's a married woman. She's just saying hello, so I thought that was neat. Uh, let's see. So I'll quickly, before I get to the audio pieces, I'll tell you about my uh, Saturday night post-concert into Mother's Day and what I uh, found overnight when I got home on Sunday. So I got... Back from the show uh, before midnight, I was in bed pretty early, and I woke up Sunday at 7.30 in the morning. I don't get up at 7.30 in the morning for anything at any time for any purpose ever. That is like the dumbest time in the world to get up for me. It's not going to happen, but for some reason this day I did, and I felt good because I didn't get bombed the night before, and I was in, I was passed out by like probably 11.30, 11, something like that on a Saturday night, which is insanely early for me. 
And so I woke up and I felt good. And I, um, I put on some music and I made some breakfast and uh, just kind of piddled around the house a little bit, just kind of thinking, this is nice. I get why people like I do it every now and again on accident, this weekend morning stuff. And I start going through my Twitter feed. And the front end uh, open song is I Hate My Generation from the band called Cracker. They are one of my favorite bands, or top five. They might, they're probably about top three. There's Pearl Jam, there's Panic, there's Cracker, there's Oasis. Um, just quickly, those are you know four to five of my favorite, and they always have been since I was 12, 13 years old. And the lead singer of the band, his name is David Lowry. Just a real, just cranky, just prick. Just always, I, I actually didn't understand, you know, adulthood when I, I met him so many times when I was young from the ages of 15, 16, 17, and then the early 20s. It's like, why is this guy such a jerk? The hell's a, this guy's problem? Well, then I grew up and, you know, basically turned into him, and then I completely get it. And he's always talking over people's heads. He's a, uh, He's an adjunct, uh, is that what they call it, professor at UGA and rhetoric and all kinds of other stuff. And so I half the time don't understand what the hell he's saying. And he, uh, the tweet I responded to Saturday at some point was, you know what Twitter is good for? This is coming from David Lowry, lead singer of Cracker. You know what Twitter is good for? Saying that Cracker Facebook fans are the worst and none of them will know I said it. And I responded to it saying, Dave is a surly, cranky, and often insufferable asshole. Always has been. I love him. He responded directly back to me. So it made my more. I'm like, Dave Lowry's tweeting at me. It said, nah, Facebook fans, question mark, in it, in it is an objective statement of fact. You should try administering the cracker social media. Twitter is fun. Facebook runs about two-thirds negative comments. Post a new show. Why aren't you playing? Insert market we just played. Nobody wants to admin the Facebook. I don't even know what the hell that means. Uh, I did respond saying I have, I'm paraphrasing this because I didn't print it. I've been borderline idolizing this man since I was 13. And as per usual, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I don't care. I thought that was really cool. And then I had a white claw. And then I started listening to Cracker Music. And going down rabbit holes on um, Spotify. And then I just got impossibly fatigued and tired. And just like couldn't keep my, my, my head was bobbing. And I laid down for a second and phew, gone. That was probably around 11, 30, 12 o'clock noon. Out for three hours. Woke up, you know, in the middle of the afternoon. Just felt awful. Awful. Like, the, like not a hangover, but just really bad and i'm already late to go hang out with my mom and uh you know there you go so then i hung out with her the rest of the day and uh, i'll come back again to that and where my mind was going into monday in reference to the kane brown show in the final segment of the show so let's move along as i told you there ain't nothing important going on today whatsoever i'll get you three pieces of audio let's start right now this is a uh, another one and i i think i did another bad edit two weeks in a row of a bad edit i can't remember when i was looking at this earlier i did make a note but in either way this is another one of those try it today little fake uh kind of things i see on tiktok you've heard it a time or two if you've been here here's another one today's best idea or what did i yeah where the hell is it sorry 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 
Sorry, sorry, there it is. Are you a grown adult? Yeah. And people are doing things you don't like? Yeah. Introducing Minding Your Own Business. What's that? Minding Your Own Business is an interesting concept where you worry about yourself and let other people do what's best for them. How does it work? It's simple. Ask yourself if someone's personal decision affects you or anyone else. If it doesn't, shut the f up and mind your own business. Repeat as necessary. I'd love another example. Okay. They should not be allowed to do that. Hey, you know what? It's really none of my business. I was going to give my thoughts on how people should live their lives based on my specific viewpoint, but then I remembered to mind my own business. So I did, and everyone else is better because of it. Try it today. Okay, so it wasn't a bad edit. Yeah, try it today. Mind your own business. How about that? This is cut from the same vein. This is going to flow well and segue into the second segment uh, quite nicely as well. Calling it today's most important question. Is it necessary that every single person on this planet um, expresses every single opinion that they have on every single thing that occurs all at the same time? Is that, is that necessary um or to ask it a slightly different way um can can anyone shut the fuck up that is the most important question today and one more here again not much to choose from today so we'll go back to the guy who says decide or see if you can pick out what this song is i'll give you a hint it's from i believe it was the 70s i don't think it was the 60s it definitely was in the 70s can you name this tune? Today's, I guess we'll just call it the coolest thing. I have to admit, I absolutely got that one on the first try. They do give hints. It pops up like, here's this little hint, and here's another hint. Kind of a trivia style, electronic trivia style. Uh, but if you just need to think about it for another three, two, one, yes, of course, it is the Steve Miller Band and Take the Money and Run. It was some summer of the late 90s. I was driving uh, a lot uh, just where I live nearby now, the, um, the Ridge Cut area, going to see friends a lot at that time frame in my Chevy Nova, my 76 Chevy Nova. And I was listening to the Steve Miller Band, probably the best. Uh, Steve Miller, who knows, but I just remember, got vivid memories of that summer. Constantly cruising up and down uh, the South Seminoles and North Seminoles listening to Steve Miller Band. That would probably would have been the summer of 1996. So another set of a liberating situation and moments that have finally freed me from at least a small portion of the anxiety and emotional stress that I l allow to affect my overall health and it's going in the right direction. I'll tell you more about that coming up next. Gas prices surged to the highest level on record today. The average cost of regular gallon of gas hit just over $4.37. According to AAA, it went up roughly $0.04 cents overnight, $0.17 cents from a week ago, and $0.25 cents from a month ago. The price is not adjusted for inflation. Consumers are paying $1.14 more at the pump compared to this time last year. I've got some famous friends. 
This is Chris Young and Kane Brown. Yeah, I do. It's an absolutely brilliant song. Brilliant in the sense that dummies can really get excited about it. Um, listen to this for a second. Your flash is lost, but let me go. My boy Randy, he's a preacher. My girl Megan, she's been teacher of the year. I swear for five years. Because I got some famous friends. I've got some famous friends you probably never, you probably never heard of. Back in Hamilton County, my crowd is second to none. Got some famous friends. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, more on that later, and uh, that's a little bit more like it. I took, I had a refill break in between segments. Braves walk off win over the Red Sox, five to three. That made me. Very, very happy. That little gas price thing, I was I was struggling to figure out what the hell to do this segment, so I just snagged that real quick just to drop it on top of this uh, Kane Brown song. So uh, let's see. I actually even made notes to myself on this segment. I almost never do. I do notes on the open, but I rarely do notes on the second unless I'm using um, audio, second or third segment. Those are usually just kind of coming out of my head organically with just you know, my th- main thought starters. Uh, but I actually made some lists here because I just didn't want to forget what the hell I was trying to go with. So I was going to tell this the other day, the other week, and then I didn't get around to it. Um, I was on a video cast podcast with Clint Powell uh, the other month. Hell, it might be going on a year ago by now. And it, he does uh, a lot of these. He just talks to people around Chattanooga, people in all kinds of different industries. I don't know if he makes any money doing it. He might. He very well might. I have no idea. And he is good friends with a friend of mine, uh, Jeremy Mahoney, who a few other listeners of this show know as well, and I won't bore you and explain who he is. But um, I was talking to Clint about my my podcasts, plural, but mainly this one, what it was about. He was asking me questions. I was just talking. It was about 30 minutes long. I had fun. I'd like to do it again. He's invited me to do it again. I just hadn't got around to it. And I mentioned, I said, you know, you can listen to my show and you won't even hear you know, the, the names Biden or uh, or Trump, oftentimes the entire show. And that is pretty true at this point, at least from a real, like, subject matter uh, talking points. But at that time, it really wasn't that true. That was, maybe it was even upwards of two years ago. I, I don't know, I don't remember. But Mahoney called me out on it and said, uh, <clears throat> um, excuse me, how about this? How about this? How about this? And I was like, Okay, I guess you're right. I, I guess I did word that poorly. Um, but I was, I think I was transitioning to trying to get away from that. And now I'm like basically completely uh, removed from that kind of content because not because I don't, I, I absolutely don't want to, because sometimes I do want to. And that's almost not even true. I, most of the times I don't. I don't think it's interesting uh, commentary. I don't think it's interesting to sit around and talk about the current or former or soon-to-be administrations in Congress, the Senate, and the White House. It's not interesting. It's not interesting fodder to me. And we all think the way we're going to think, and we're all going to vote the way we're going to vote, and that's fine. That's good. That's what this is. But this is completely shattered 
governmental system in the United States of America. And if we're not careful, generationally, this could become pretty dire at some point. I'm not trying to make any predictions or say, you know, oh, doomsday, it's never been this bad. Everything's never been, you know, this awful. That's not true. Look at history. Things have been way more awful than they are now over the course of thousands of years, but certainly two and a half hundred years almost anyway. It's just not fun to talk about. It's not interesting anymore. It's why the, the, the gig I do, the morning podcast, Monday through Friday, I mean, I like doing it with the people I work with and, you know, I make a little bit of money and it's not my show, so I don't really care what it's about. But the biggest thing I don't like about it is that that's what we talk about first thing every morning is the, is the headlines of the day. Ukraine this and gas prices this and supply chain this and, and like, God, Jesus, I don't want to talk about this stuff. It doesn't entertain me. It bores me. And boredom is the bane of my existence. So let's just continue on here with just some random things. I started going through my phone, through my saved links, my favorited on tw- on uh, Twitter, my saved links on Facebook, my notes to self on my phone, that kind of thing. I have been listening to, and I've mentioned it recently, but I, I've been more and more, the How I Built This Podcast on uh, from NPR. And in the last two weeks, I have now listened to uh, the dude who created WordPress, Dropbox, Ken Burns was what actually the first one I listened to that kind of got me back into this show. And it was actually the worst one I would listen to of all of them. Uh, the guy who created Discord, uh, the dude whose last name is Leatherman, Leatherman, the guy who created the Leatherman tool, uh, the guy who created Audible, and I'm in the middle of the guy who created Casper, the um, the the mattress that you get sent, that you buy through direct advertising. And the most interesting one of all of them was the same guy who created Expedia.com also created Zillow.com. And um, that was a fascinating uh, story on how that comes together. They also have a new series coming that they've, it's not an original idea because I've listened to some of these before in other podcasts, Business Wars. And I don't know what they call it exactly, but so like think Coke versus Pepsi, MasterCard versus Visa, whatever, the industry rivals. And I'll be sampling that here soon enough. But it's given me a lot of ideas that I want might want to do going forward with the Project 423 podcast, which has been completely dormant, but I still own all the domains. I still have all the social medias and um, all you know everything is in place just to put together a a different kind of podcast that I, I might model it a little bit based on some of this stuff I've listened to on uh, from Guy Raz. I just don't want to talk about it out loud yet because it's barely even in my consciousness at this point. Um, but more on that at, at, at another time. Just keep going down the list here. So I mentioned the other day Renewal by Anderson, that uh, doors, windows, replacement windows and doors company has been calling me almost literally you know, off the hook constantly over and over again. I stopped counting at like 55 times that this company has called me. What in the actual hell F is going on here? Is it, do all companies do this? If you drop your number in a, some kind of a form through their, through their website that they just incessantly call, I will never in a million years give a penny of my money and do any business with renewal by Anderson with their harassing phone calls one after another every single day I hit block on the number and somehow it powers through the block 
I, I just, I'm literally asking the question. I don't know. Does everybody do this? Do all companies wear you out like this? Surely not. Doesn't seem like a very good uh, business model or at least approach to me. Um, so Better Call Saul and Ozark. I won't do any kind of spoiling it in any way. Uh, Ozark's done. I've finished it. If you have not watched it, I suggest that you do. It's pretty darn good. Uh, a little chaotic and beginning to, you know, suspense of reality. Suspending reality was beginning to be difficult for me. Uh, it ended fine enough, I guess. Better Call Saul is about almost halfway through its final season, and they're going to bl- break this up in two halves. I can't do this nonsense anymore. I, I can't do it. I'm not watching television shows for five and six years. Uh, this is stupid. It takes too long. I have to remind myself what happens. I have to spend too much time refreshing through you know YouTube channels. A lot of people, hey, just watch it again. I'm not. You think I got time to watch a television show again in my early 40s now? And the amount of the, the time perception I have drives me batty. You think I'm going to sit around and watch a show again? You're crazy. I'm done with this. So Saul will be the final show that I watch. Uh, Ozark and Saul both will be the final shows that I watch that I have to wait for seasons. I'm only going miniseries from now on. And if you have any suggestions for me, shoot them to me through social media if you would. Um, and I'll make sure and make a note to myself. I regularly say, hey, that looks like a cool show. And then I forget all about it and I never go back and watch it. But yeah, I'm going to sit down and watch 10 you know, episodes of a show, and if it's no good, that's fine. I only wasted 10 hours out of my day instead of going on 10 years, over 10 years, which is what the combo of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul has. This is now 2007 is when Bad started. I probably started watching in 08. Yeah, 14 years I've devoted to this television series franchise, and I'm tired of it. It's too long. Let's wrap this thing up. It's going to be the end of the year before I finally get to see how this damn thing ends. And a couple of things here real quick that I printed off. Let's take a look at these. These are more of the, from the closer to uh, serious, I guess, subjects. This one's not so much. So I saw this. The U.S. tried permanent daylight savings time in the 1970s. Clearly, I wouldn't have been old enough to know this. Most of my listeners likely weren't either. And it says the headline is they tried it in the 70s, period. People hated it. Goes on at length to talk about it here. I just highlighted a little bit of it. Congress had voted uh, December of 73 to put the U.S. on daylight savings time for two years. I guess as an experiment. We know how anything goes. Generally, when you change something, you don't change it back two years later. Uh, President Nixon signed it into bill, uh, signed the bill the next day. Uh, this was also another growing plan to try to change the way time is is uh, set up in America. Uh, a, ge- a geographer... Paul Molinax, at the same time they were pushing this, uh, he worked at the Pentagon. He came up with the idea of putting the continental U.S. on a single time zone, quote-unquote, USA time, which I think is a pretty interesting idea. I don't know how it would work. I guess it wouldn't. That's maybe why they didn't do it. goes on to say it would eliminate jet lag and standardize television schedules, which clearly that doesn't matter anymore with television schedules. Eliminating jet lag would be kind of nice, I guess. Uh, Let's see, a quote from the dude, uh, Molinax. The human being is a very adaptive animal. There is no reason to have, there is no reason we have to be a slave to the sun. 
I agree with that terminology. I still just don't know if it makes sense that it's three o'clock here in Tennessee and it's also three o'clock, you know, in, in California. That probably doesn't work out all that well. Anyway, after they did sign the daylight savings time as a permanent or at least for a two year experiment, in the weeks after the change, eight Florida kids were killed in traffic accidents and then several others across the country were injured. And it was just shortly after that that the Watergate scandal hit by August that had caused the Nixon administration to crumble. The country was ready to move on from its clock experiments. So this wouldn't have even been a year into this. While 79% of Americans approved of the change in December of 73, approval had dropped to just 42%. Three months into it, seven days after Nixon resigned, our old buddy Bob Dole, U.S. Senator of the time of Kansas, introduced amendment in August that would end daylight savings time experiment. It passed for Nix, uh, President Nixon. Yeah, President Ford signed it in uh, October 5th, effectively ending that idea. Too bad. So sad. So the biggest thing was is it was dark early. Well, once your body adjusts, you'll get used to just the rotation of the earth around the sun uh, anyway, you know where I stand on that. Two more real quick and then uh, wrap this up and talk about my boy Kane Brown. Never heard of this before. A couple days ago, earlier this week, Confederate Memorial Day. It is a recognized federal holiday in South Carolina. Never heard of it before. I thought Memorial Day kind of covered all the deaths in all the wars. Doesn't seem like there needs to be a standalone, but apparently several southern states at least acknowledge this day, and uh, I didn't mean federal holiday, I mean a statewide holiday in South Carolina. They celebrate Confederate Memorial Day on the weekday nearest May 10th, marking the day Confederate Lieutenant General Thomas Stonewall Jackson died from pneumonia in 1863. The day became official after a 2000 bill, the year 2000 bill passed, adding both Confederate Memorial Day and Martin Luther King Jr. Day, MLK Day, to the list of official holidays. Again, this is in South Carolina. All non-essential state employees will have the day off and state government offices will close. As of the year 2000, MLK Day wasn't officially recognized as a, a government, local government, state government holiday in South Carolina. And I guess to somehow appease the dumb asshole rednecks in the South, we are sure we'll give you MLK Day as long as we get to have Confederate Memorial Day also. I don't know what the hell there else is to say about that. And the final one here, um, the only comment I will say on the, uh, the Roe versus Wade stuff it, it, I could do segments on this. I, I just don't want to. It really, really is. Uh, it's disturbing a lot what's going on with all this. I'm just going to read this to you. And I'm hopefully, other than just if there's something newsworthy of the day to mention, hopefully never even talk about it again, at least on this show. And this is just one of those somebody posted. I don't know who the quote is attributed to even if they had a name which i think it did have a name i don't care who is attributed to because i don't know if it's true but meaning who actually said it i don't care who said it it's the only commentary i'm going to have and it's again not my original thought 
The unborn are a convenient group of people to advocate for. They never make demands of you. They are morally uncomplicated, unlike the incarcerated, addicted, or the chronically poor. They don't resent your condescension or complain that you are not politically correct. Unlike widows, they don't ask you to question the patriarchy. Unlike orphans, they don't orphans, they don't need money, education, or child care. Unlike aliens, they don't bring all that racial, cultural, and religious baggage that you dislike. They allow you to feel good about yourself without any work at creating or maintaining relationships. And when they are born, you can forget about them because they cease to be unborn. It's almost as if, by being born, they have died to you. You can love the unborn and advocate for them without substantially challenging your own wealth, power, or privilege, without reimagining social structures, apologizing, or making reparations to anyone. They are, in short, the perfect people to love if you want to claim you love Jesus, but actually dislike people who are breathing. Prisoners, immigrants, the sick, the poor, widows, orphans, all the groups that are specifically mentioned in the Bible all get thrown under the bus for the unborn. I don't know who's, I don't know who said it. I don't know who wrote it down and posted it on a social media. That is all I have to say about that. It was a big time Saturday night on the South Side at Finley Stadium. Quite literally like nothing I have ever seen before in the city of Chattanooga. And I told you it would be, and I was right. More on this Kane Brown guy and how big of a freaking star he actually is coming up next. I've got some famous friends you probably never heard of. But back in Rutherford County, our crowd is sick and enough. You might not know I'm here in this big city we're in. But when I go back home, I've got some famous friends. Yeah, I do. More of Stone on air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. So when you play a hometown show like Chattanooga, for you still, is that pretty cool? Do you see like all the old family and friends? And do you see some of the people who used to think you were, you know, not that good, but now they're like, Kane Brown's my best friend. I'm so excited because I haven't played Chattanooga in six years. They've asked me to come back and stuff, but I just wasn't ready and and I, I didn't want to come back until I knew I had songs that people were going to know. So, yeah, it's been six years, so I'm excited to play. You got so many number ones, though. You just now think you have enough songs people know after eight number ones, Kane? Man, I'm coming back to my home show. I wanted it to be not even that. I wanted it to be stage ready. I feel like I got a lot more experience under my belt now. And um, I think that I think they're going to be surprised because the last time they saw me, I was at a uh, in a little like you know 800 seat club uh, i think I, the only song i had was used to love you sober and i don't even think what is was in the question yet this is that song he was just referencing what ifs along with lauren elena it is pretty remarkable that the two of them came out of not only the same area, but the same school system. Of course, Kane and several different high schools in the Chattanooga area. More on that in a minute. You know, I mean, when you listen to this, it's it's really good. If this is what you like, like for what it is, it's really good. Listen. 
Um, and I said that going into it. Anybody was like, well, what's the music even like? I was like, for what it is, it's really, really good. And um, But it's not my thing. I mean, this is coming from a guy whose profile picture on Facebook is wearing a shirt that says pop country sucks. Well, that's what this is. This is pop country. It's barely even country. It's really pop music. Um, and it's it's designed to be catchy. It's designed to, ca- to, to catch your ear. Even if you don't like it, that's how it's professionally written. And more on that here in, uh, in a few. Uh, so on that Saturday, I decided that I was, um, first of all, thanks to Barry Corder, who made it happen to get me in the door and um, had pit passes, was on the floor. I didn't even go into the pit. I didn't want to be in that mess. But I had a nice, uh, very nice spot to get around and see from different angles Got in there early, was in there for about three, almost four hours. It was a long night. And uh, I started listening to his his uh, Spotify early or mid-morning on that Saturday, hanging, kicking around the house, you know, making some breakfast, getting a lunch ready for when I Ubered down early afternoon. I wanted to get down there early because I didn't know for sure I was going to have a ticket in hand. It's one of those, I'll believe it when it's when I'm, you know, holding it. That's when I'll feel confident that this is going to going to work out. And if it didn't work out, it didn't. It wasn't any big deal. I had other options, uh, 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 roofs, uh, rooftops to be on from some, I knew some people who lived nearby down there. I was going to be able to see the show one way or another. And I listened to his top 10 Spotify songs for several hours all day Saturday. I basically just spun through the most popular, the top 10, probably five times, maybe six times. Just to get just to get some repetition in my head, I wanted to be able to recognize a lot of what I was uh, going to hear, and I caught myself like regularly starting to hum and sing along to some of these songs because they're they're that damn catchy. And I noticed on his Spotify page that tells you how many spins that these songs have, and uh, the the most spins that he's got from Spotify is 437 million of one of his most popular songs, 437 million. That one you just heard what ifs with Lauren Elena was second on his most spins at just over 400 million spins. This is mind blowing. This is a success story bigger than any, anybody else that's ever come out of this city outside of, you know, maybe if we can we count Ludacris and we count Samuel L. Jackson and Bessie Smith and some others that have long longevity, but as far as immediate success, this is in, this is amazing. So just for context, to understand what 437 million spins on Spotify is, Pearl Jam's Alive, a song that has been, you know, out for 30 plus years, has 375 million spins, the most of of any of Pearl Jam songs on Spotify. So let's do a couple different uh, genres here. The Grateful Dead, obviously been around for over 50 years. Now, Spotify is not that old. You know, it's a decade old or whatever. I get it. But Friend of the Devil is their most listened to song on Spotify. It has 81 million listens compared to 437 million for Kane Brown. Uh, Lauren Elena, to give a more contemporary uh, comparison, 
her number one song on Spotify is 147 million. So basically a quarter of the amount that Kane Brown's getting and an even more um, or a close similar uh, comparison uh, contemporary wise, Blake Shelton, his number one song, God's Country, has 246 million plays on Spotify. That's that's just impossible to believe, other than the fact that I know that it's true. That Kane Brown has doubled the pace of a superstar, country superstar like Blake Shelton. So a quick rundown. Kane Brown, born in 1993. His father's been incarcerated since 1996. He was raised by a single mother, sometimes homeless. This is just from his wiki. His family moved uh, around northwest Georgia from Rossville to Fort O, Lafayette, and then ending up in Red Bank, Tennessee. Attended many schools from Lakeview, Fort Oglethorpe, to, uh, doesn't mention them all, uh, or it was at Lakeview of Fort Oglethorpe that he sang in the choir with Lauren Elena. She was runner-up in season 10 of American Idol. Uh, after graduation, he went to stay with his grandmother, who raised him from there. He auditioned for American Idol and The X Factor. He got, uh, which I guess I think it was just the Fox version of American Idol, he got selected to be on the 2013 show of X Factor, but when they asked him to be included in a boy band, he refused and he quit and he left the show. That's <laughs> that takes some stones now to say I'm not going to go on this show because I I'm con- you know convinced of what I know I can do and what I want to do. That's that's pretty pretty co- cool stuff. In 2014, Kane Brown began posting videos of his cover songs by Brantley Gilbert. Billy uh, Currington and Alan Jackson and others on his social media. And he acquired a huge following from his homemade videos on Facebook. I tried to find some of these original videos. I, I, I got bored quickly trying to find them. I never found it. The one that really jumped off the page and made him super viral was in 2015. He did a cover of George Strait's Check Yes or No. A stupid song. My God, a dumb song. I listened to it earlier. It wasn't the original one, but man, it was dumb. Got him over 7 million views just covering a stupid George Strait song. Um, plenty more uh, of bio that you could get into. I, I guess he caught the eye of people in Nashville. You can hear his voice on the, on, the, on the way in there. It's a fantastic, fantastic, deep baritone voice. The singing voice is, is remarkable. And so likely some talent uh, evaluator out of Nashville caught wind of the 7 million views of the George Strait song, and that's probably where that went from there. But real quick, let me back up, and then I'll get into some of the songwriting uh, credits that he has, or lack thereof, actually. A few years ago, I interviewed a guy named Anderson East at the last cool music station that this city's ever had, Alt 98.7, the last cool radio gig that I've, uh, I've had uh, also. And um, it was just set up by management. He was passing through town. He's out of Nashville. And he sells out rooms, 500, 600, 700 seat rooms, pretty regularly. And I, he has a few songs I like okay, but overall, nothing that special. But I was just doing the interview because they asked me to, and we were having some listeners in. It was kind of like a little audience, not a Q&A, but somewhat. It was pretty neat. It was pretty fun to do. And without knowing at all that this guy was a Nashville-based just songwriter outside of the fact that he was his own performer and songwriter, I asked him about writing songs. 
his approach. Pretty typical question by a FM music DJ to a guy, you know, who's a performer. And to be just completely honest, I wasn't overly prepared because I didn't really care about it. I just I got the generic stuff out of the way. Ended up we ended up having a very good conversation. And I enjoyed it very much. And his answer to the to the writing music thing was, well, sometimes I just get a bottle of tequila and hang out with my friend so-and-so and see what happens. Other times I go to my day job, essentially. I'm paraphrasing all of this. He goes in, clocks in, clocks out, spends the day writing music. And that day it'll be it's just the Nashville way of Nashville brand of, of, of country music, primarily songwriting. And you sit down and they say, hey, this we're targeting a 20-year-old, uh, heartbroken white male from the Midwest. And here's some talking points from maybe some things that are popular in this area. Um, a lot of different, almost like storyboard kind of stuff. And they sit down as a team, however many people that is, and they professionally craft a song that is catchy to a certain demographic of people whether you can even identify with them specifically or not. And this goes on all day, every day on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a huge machine engine of an industry. And almost all of this bro country and pop country, virtually all of it that skyrockets the, the charts, are all written by these ghostwriters and these and these studio musicians. And I'm, I mean... I don't think I'm telling much of any kind of secret to the industry that most people didn't pretty much already know. But it is a massive machine, and all the top stars use all of this. Kane Brown does not have a single writing credit to his name solo, singularly. Every writing credit he gets, I'm guessing primarily because he's standing in the room. I don't even have evidence whether Kane Brown knows how to play a guitar or not. I haven't seen it happen. Surely by now he's learned a little bit, but I don't know if he's professionally trained and qualified to even be in the bands that play for him. I'm not trying to take it away from him, but this is this is nothing more than a boy band. This is nothing more than the the you know the machine pumping out uh, corporate music to to the masses for radio play and for really sometimes the lowest common denominator. I got a lot of that while I was at the show, a lot of just nonsense all around me. I was happy to see everybody having fun, but um, it, it is pretty wild. And I started looking at some of his uh, co-writers. Uh, this One of them I saw on regular on most of his songs, Jordan Schmidt out of Nashville, Franklin. Uh, he's written for Kane Brown, Morgan Wallen, Jason Aldean, Blake Shelton, Keith Urban, uh, Nelly, Florida Georgia Line, Kid Rock. Uh, Josh Hogue for Chris Young, uh, the Backstreet Boys, Mac McGinn, names you don't know as much, but he's won uh, four of his songs, have won American Music Awards, just to name a couple. And so really, this is just, it's almost, it's, it's, Kane Brown is to country music what Nickelback is to rock and roll. It is... Music that is professionally designed to be attractive. Aerosmith, when they were going through uh, their post-70s success doldrums, they got songwriters for all that stuff you heard in the late 1980s, from the album Pump and uh, then the early 90s um, 
uh, why am I blanking on that one? Is it you know with living on the edge and crying and all those songs? can't remember the name anyway they had professional songwriters come in and write all these songs with them so it's not like this is something that it's unusual to the industry but it's worth noting kane brown doesn't write any of this stuff but it doesn't mean it's not he's not a major major i guess at this point international superstar he's about to go over to australia i think i just saw and some uh worldwide tour so I, I loved it, and I it, the, the show itself was just as good as I expected it to be because I was down there, I saw the setup, I saw the, uh, you know, as it was all put together, and I was like, there's no way this isn't going to be anything other than uh, the big leagues, the absolute big leagues, and the, the smoke machines and the lasers and the fireworks coordinated within the music and the, and the everything was just tight as it could be. Um, you forget how big a 100-yard football field is until you're standing on it. And then when they had the plastic floor put down and then the big stage and then all the, the – there were these bracelets that they gave out that were coordinated with the lasers and the sounds and the and everything. So when you – it was color-coordinated. So when everybody's hands were in the air, it looked like they all had glow sticks around their, their, their wrists. Those were wristbands that changed colors throughout the show. I was sitting down on the on the field, looking up at this place, losing their minds, thinking, "This is Finley Stadium. This is Chattanooga, Tennessee. Really, it does not feel like it. This feels like I've been transported to Nashville or Atlanta or I don't know, just name some big place that would have a massive, you know, bro country pop country concert. It was pretty damn impressive. Really, really impressive." And many people ask me, you know, based on this, if, if it was successful, and by all accounts, most people thought it was, do I see this happening again anytime soon with another artist? And the answer is no. Uh, I, I really don't. It's a non-Ticketmaster uh, venue, so that's going to be an issue for any kind of massive show that size. They were throwing bones to, to, to the city and to that venue to get Kane in here for that uh, m- a much higher than normal uh, overhead and expenses kind of show. I would love to see if they could do more of these. I just I don't see it happening. And unless you put that kind of detail, time, and effort into it, Finley Stadium is not a great place for a concert to begin with. It's a football stadium. It's not a very good football stadium for the level of of ball and the uh, uh, the support that the mocks get. It's a fantastic facility. You know, you know, I love it. But it's um, it's not a very good place for a music festival unless you do it like that or a festival or a, a concert unless you do it like that. Well done, Chris Thomas. Absolutely, who runs the joint? Anybody else? Everybody else? His entire team. I flippantly said at the beginning it was going to be an S show. Like there's just no way this will go off well, and it did. And by all accounts, it did. And I, I'm glad I just thought to just come back to this because I mentioned I'll come back to it. Um. I didn't look at anything on that Sunday because I was asleep half the day and then with my mom the rest of it. Monday I woke up, spent the day scouring through all of Twitter and Facebook, primarily Facebook, different keywords, different searches, just trying to find random people who were talking about the show to find if there's anything stupid, anybody hating on it, anybody mad about lines or prices or getting in the joint or anything else. Nothing. Not a single word. I'm not exaggerating and, and rounding down. Literally not one bad word 
I text with uh, uh, Barry from the paper. I said, hey, man, I, I said that exact same thing. I said, I'm trying to find one bad thing, and I can't. I said, I just got done having lunch with uh, Chris Thomas. He said he put everything on an either good to great level for the entire uh, start to finish of the event. That is fantastic. Warms my heart. Makes me very, very, very happy. When I got down there and got the tickets at about 4 o'clock on Saturday, that Saturday evening, there was already a line of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds waiting to get in at 4 o'clock. Gates didn't even open until, I don't know, 6, 6.30. Show started at 7.30. That dumb Applebee's song guy opened it up. And then Kane Brown didn't play until th- this part did annoy me a lot because I've been drinking all day. I was ready to get things going and get the hell home. He didn't start till almost 10 o'clock. That was pretty annoying. But so anyway, these people are sitting there from 4 o'clock in line to be, I guess, up in the pit. They're probably, you know, to get their positions and going to sit there for five and six hours. That is, uh, that's some devotion. That is some uh, fanatical uh, of people right there. It's wild. It is absolutely crazy how how just monster of a star this guy is. And uh, and good for him. And good for everybody down, down on the south side. And everybody looks like they mostly behave themselves and that is all i've got for you for the stone on air podcast for may what is it today the 12th 2022 we'll do it again next week i guess if i come up with anything to talk about uh until then have a good one see you later bye